You're listening to Guitars and Granola Bars, episode 10. Thank you so much for joining me here on Guitars and Granola Bars, Music Therapists Talk Motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Ramback, and this podcast is for music therapists and anyone else balancing a passion-fueled career with being a mom. In this episode, I'm chatting with Amy Schock. Amy owns Life in Harmony Music Therapy, LLC, a growing private practice in southwestern Wisconsin. She spent her first four years as a professional developing a music therapy program at a local hospital, which later transitioned into a private practice. The business has survived two maternity leaves nearly a year apart and has continued to grow through the process, now employing three music therapists. Amy's family includes her husband, Bradley, who works full-time and also serves as the practice's administrative assistant. Sayla, who turned two at the end of November, Joven, who will be one at the beginning of April, and Chloe, her very first child, a Boston Terrier. Thank you so much for being here on the podcast with me, Amy. Thanks for having me, Rachel. It's an honor. It's my pleasure. Well, let's get started with a little bit about your background and your career as a music therapist. I graduated with my bachelor's of music therapy from University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire back in 2007 in August, and I completed my internship in the neonatal setting with um, Dr. Helen Schumark in the, at the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne, Australia. So after I completed my internship, um, I wanted to move back to Wisconsin, but there weren't many jobs at the time. So... I found myself back in my hometown and um, kind of with a great opportunity in front of me. So I did a lot of phone calls. I think I did about 50 phone calls in one day to the major hospital settings um, in the neighboring city. And I was able to get somebody interested in um, hearing a presentation. So that I always refer to as my first baby because it literally took nine months um, almost to the day from the time that I did my initial um, presentation to when I heard word whether or not they were going to fund the pilot project that they were working towards. So um, at the time, I had taken a job um, at a local school as an activity director, and um, I had an opportunity to do this pilot project for six months. It was 12 hours a week, um, and the position was in hematology, oncology, and an outpatient setting, and then it also covered hospice. So 12 hours to try to make an impact as a first-time music therapist. It was more of a full-time job, but um, it did end up paying off because the position, um, they changed it from being more of a contractor to an employed position. So at the time, um, that's kind of where I got my first uh, footing as a music therapist um, with the MTBC, not as a student or an intern. And because I was the only one working in the La Crosse area, I live in La Crosse, Wisconsin, so it's the southwestern portion, um, there were no other music therapists in the area at the time. And so I worked with one individual out in the community with, uh, as I continued my private practice from the contractor position at the hospital. And that one individual um, really helped me learn that... Um, families talk. And sometimes that can help your business and sometimes it can hurt your business. And in this case, um, it was just a buzz and an excitement about music therapy. And so that has actually led um, to the growth of 
my business, which is called Life and Harmony Music Therapy, LLC. And at the time, it was one client. And now um, we have probably 80 clients that we service with um, myself and then three other therapists. So two are full-time, and we just hired another individual who is working 20 hours a week. Um, I started the the out, the outsourcing with um, music therapy with contracted positions in 2010. And then I actually, by demand, had to hire my second contractor um, in 2013, right after I came back from maternity leave, because I just realized I couldn't do it all. And I found a great person who was living actually within an hour from where I was. So it worked out awesome. She didn't even really have to move very far. And then um, just due to business structure, we found that um, as it, it seemed like we needed to be looking more towards having them be employees. So as of the first of this year, they made that big jump from subcontractors to employees. And then we hired our third, um, staff member in February. So my, my role and background has kind of gone from just music therapist to, um, being that business owner and the boss, because even being a business owner with contractors, you're still not necessarily the boss of, uh, or managing anybody else, um, technically. So that has been a huge change, but it's been one that I think will have a lot of great benefits once I get a little more comfortable in this new role. So, um, right now we work in a variety of settings, um, primarily with individuals, mostly children and teens, um, with developmental disabilities and neurologic impairments. We do have some adults, um, and we're trying to expand into elder care as well as hospice setting and just really getting to service, um, the needs of the region that we work in. Your story is so inspiring to me because <laughs> I had a very similar start. I was the only music therapist in my area and I built this private practice. And like you said, families talk and the word spread so quickly. And I found that my practice grew so fast, um, yeah. even really without having to market or do anything extra to build it up. And right. I, I found myself in that same position of, of needing to bring on other music therapists to take on some of these clients and got so lucky just like you to find a contractor that lived about a half hour from me and she worked as my contractor for about two years and then mm -hmm. this year or I guess this past um, fall we decided to merge our two private practices so we're now partners in our LLC and this um, this week, actually, this week and next, we're interviewing several different um, applicants for positions as employees through the business. So I'm sort of entering that foray. So it's really interesting to hear that you've kind of been there and done that. That's awesome. Yes, we have. And I, I keep hoping that we build this next position up really fast so we can continue to make more positions for individuals in the field. And it's just such an exciting opportunity and to know that you can help create jobs for other people. I feel like it's such uh, um, an awesome opportunity. Yes, it's huge. And to look at where you started and to see that you went from being the only music therapy professional in your area to having this booming business, that is so cool. 
Yeah. So, the the neat thing too is um, the individual who actually took my job at the hospital. I I had to leave my first position that I started. Um, he was able to um, have a job uh, from that initial um, seed that was planted, and then um, another individual who took um, who helped during one of my maternity leaves. She also found work at a residential home here in the city and works as a full-time music therapist as well. So there's now what used to be no music therapists in this portion of the state, or at least individuals practicing or that um, I was aware of. And now there's four here at Life and Harmony, myself included, and then two others. And so that's, uh, it's just so great to know that we're able to service this area. Yeah, that's fantastic. And another parallel right there, my intern at my old position where I started the music therapy program I was there for four years, and in my fourth year, she took an an internship with me, and I pretty much told her from the get-go, I said, you know, at the end of this year, I'm planning to leave and go full-time with my private practice that I had been building on the side, and so it was sort of like on-the-job training because she ended up taking my position, so that, that position is still going, and she's still there, so it's sort of a similar thing where I can look and say wow, I've created, you know, these opportunities for other music therapists as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm curious, you said that um, your first contractor was in the area. Um, what about the others that you ended up hiring? Were they, did they need to relocate to work with you or were they already near you? Our very first one was actually um, with us for about nine months, and um, she relocated to the area, and then we actually had a transition to a new, um, an individual who um, took over her position. So she was actually, we had two firsts, I guess, um, in the role of contractor, and she was, she did have to relocate from um, the eastern part of the state, and her husband had to move, and that was the first realization that I have a lot on the line here because I knew that they were, you know, both leaving their jobs and moving to a whole new area. And um, so they they relocated uh, a couple hours. Their family's still in the area. Our second girl is the one who had just finished her internship at um, University of University of Iowa, and she's the one who lived pretty close. And I actually found her through LinkedIn, um, just doing some uh, searching around and. I'm so excited because our our last um, our most recent employee actually came from um, uh, I don't know if I'm going to say it right Appalachian State um, is where she went to school and she's from North Carolina so she was up in Minneapolis doing her internship and she is just a perfect fit for what we are doing here in Wisconsin and she was excited about all the opportunities with funding that we have in Wisconsin. And she made the move here and the cold weather hasn't scared her away yet. So we're just so um, excited to have someone, you know, not necessarily a native here because it just shows how excited she is to be in this um, field and working for us. That's so fantastic. And I think it speaks a lot to the business that you've built as well. I mean, her move had a lot to do, I'm sure, with what she's seen you do and what she's seen you build as far as your private practice goes. So congratulations to you for that. Thanks. It definitely makes you very nervous as a business owner because you you almost feel like you're more nervous than the new employee because you want to have everything ready for them and want to have everything perfect and, and everything's still just building and there's not time to have every 
form created perfectly and there's glitches here and there and you just hope that they see your passion and that's really what I I hope everybody sees. Yeah. Well, I can tell just by talking to you that that it's there. So it's it's very evident. Yeah. Um, And I think that in private practice, there are always growing potentials for potential for growth because you get to one level and you think, okay, when I get to this next level, then I'll feel really, you know, steady and consistent. And then, you know, you get to that point and you want to keep building. So it's always a growing process. It's exciting. There's it definitely is. no the same. <laughs> no. So when did you decide amongst all this excitement and growth that the time was right to start a family? Um, I knew that there would never really be like a clearing in the business aspect or like a slowing down. It just didn't ever feel like it would be that way. So my husband and I, my husband's name is Brad and um, Brad and I, kind of use more just life events. And when we felt ready, we, we knew we wanted to have a family sooner than later. My dad was um, diagnosed with um, cancer before we had gotten married. And I knew that we wouldn't have a lot of time with him, or I just felt in my heart that we wouldn't. And we knew it wasn't probably good for our relationship to have a family right away. And so um, like get married and then nine months, 10 months later, have a baby. Um, But we, we were able to get a house and kind of all those natural things that you you grow up thinking all these things have to happen first, which they don't. But um, we just felt like that was our next step. And I knew that, um, like I said, there wasn't really going to be a clearing. And I actually felt that by starting that process and um, being pregnant, it would really help me to focus more on the private practice. Um, I knew I would at some point have to let my job go at the hospital just because I couldn't do both. And I was at that point already. And it just seemed easier (laughs) in a way to say, you know, to that position, like, oh my gosh, it's so hard to leave here, but I'm having a baby. And it just, society, I feel like gets it more than that. You're just, you can't do all of it. And so instead of, you know, dropping one thing to less in the load, you drop one thing to take on a baby, which is way more work (laughs) than a job. But, um, so it was just really a natural process too, where, um, it was, even though we didn't really necessarily, um, plan out like how long we wanted to be married before we were married about three years. And, um, we figured, well, let's start trying. And two months later we were down, we're heading down the road to baby town very fast. <laughs> so, um, we were blessed in, in that. And it just really, um, it was one of those things that pregnancy and motherhood does is it, it does make those things that, um, are very, not that the job was not important, but you know that you're not going to be able to do it all. And it just helps you to prioritize what you need to do at the time. So, um, we, we didn't really ever decide the right time. We just knew now's a better time than now's just as good of a time as, as ever. So we took the plunge. Yeah. I think, I think uh, that's so true that there really is no perfect time, especially when you're working for yourself and you're building this business. It's, you know, you just have to, like you say, take the plunge. Yeah. And that was with, um, my daughter was, is my, um, first child and, um, her name is Selah and she turned two in November. Um, and then, um, when we decided to expand our family, that was definitely a, um, a welcome surprise. Um, my kids are 16 months apart. So my son Joven was born, 
um, in April last year. So he'll be one in just a couple of weeks. And I feel like his, um, him joining our family was just a gift. Um, we found out we were pregnant about three weeks before my dad passed away. And, um, so he is actually the first child that's been born since he's died. And so, um, that was my big, oh my gosh, what am I going to do here? I have a baby that's still a baby at the time. Mm -hmm. Salem was eight months old and, uh, and this business that was definitely had me, um, well over my head. And I thought, how am I going to add another one? But it's been, I just feel like it's such a, a gift to be able to know that my dad knew about it and, um, and to be able to have him continue, um, his name's Joven. It, it has Kevin in his name. So it's his oh, grandparents. That's so neat. I love that. Yeah. So I, I definitely feel like even if you think you've got the right time for the first one, the second one might surprise you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I kind of feel like I'm heading into that territory. I'm seven months pregnant now and I have a 20 month old. So okay. they're not, yes. they're not quite as close <laughs> together as yours, but I do still feel that my son is a baby. I mean, he's yep. you know not yet two and still needs all of my attention. So it's definitely yes. going to be a brand new challenge. But I think yeah. that, you know, going into it, knowing that I'm really going to have to just give up all control that I feel like I have over my life at the moment is yes. going to serve me well. <laughs> That's a great way to go into it. <laughs> No expectations and you'll be just fine. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I would, um, a, another podcast guest that I just interviewed yesterday, she was saying that she went into her first pregnancy with that attitude. And I said, Oh, I wish I had done that because yeah. I was so sure that I was just going to make things work exactly the way I wanted them to. And I was going to be able to do everything that I did at the time before the baby. And I would still be able to do it all after he arrived. And, you know, yep. so wrong, of course, because I had no yeah. idea what I was getting myself into. <laughs> but, you know, it's just one of those things where you have to learn as you go and just make it yes. work. Yes. So what was it like building your business? And you said that you really kind of went went um, full force with, with your private practice after you found out that you were pregnant. Uh, what What all did that entail? Um, well, I continued to work up until I had both of my babies. One of them was four days early and one was four days late. So um, we really, uh, we were set up um, when my daughter was almost born. It was about two days before she was born. We were uh, in Wisconsin. We were facing some really challenging um, legislative issues with some possible funding cuts uh, for one of the waivers that funds about funded about ninety percent of our business at the time. And so, as much as I wanted to have this relaxed maternity leave and just enjoy the baby and and just know that my clients were taken care of and answer a few emails here and there, I was forced into that growth mode where we had to really try to find ways to stand our ground and prepare our families to advocate for themselves. And with that, it just, there were a lot of tears shed, but it, they were tears of just pure passion where it was, how is this happening when I can be so passionate about something? And then it's just could be taken away in an instant. And it was, um, that really just felt like it, it forced me into probably working way, way more during my maternity, my maternity leave than I had ever planned on. Um, but it also 
helped me realize how important it was because at that point I was like, you know, why even go through all of this stress? I've got this awesome family at home. And I just knew that I wanted to, it, the business is truly my first baby. And I, I could not ever see something, um, threaten that and allow it to. And so, um, I think that that caused me to work, you know, through the, through the maternity leave more than I had planned on before. And as a result, I came back and we still had a lot of advocating to do and just, um, you know, additional emails to answer. And it just helped, it made me realize that I can't do all the, um, client work. Cause at the time I had about 20 clients I was seeing and then all the admin work and then having the child at home. And then, um, I just realized, you know, I, I really missed that feeling of, um, being able to delegate. And that's when I found Andrea, who was our second, um, contractor. So they, they really helped. Um, and then once you have other employees, not that they're your babies or at the time contractors, not that they're your, um, babies by any means, but you have such a feeling of responsibility over them like you would with your with your kids and you you want to be able to set them up for success and so that level of um you just take on so many more roles and responsible uh you have so much more responsibility just as a mom and then as a business owner at the same time but it it truly does make you push that much harder because you want to succeed so others can succeed too and um I never really felt like I could be somebody financially that could not return to work. So that wasn't really in my mind, but it was harder after the second maternity leave because my second maternity leave really, um, I was able to delegate a lot more. We had two contractors working full time and it was that first realization that this business can survive if I'm not there in the office doing the actual day in, day out work. And so that time it was a lot harder to come back, I think. Um, and even though I was working a lot during that maternity leave and pushing forward, it was really hard. Um, I missed my clients, but it was, it was really hard and scary to know that you were coming back to try to juggle all of those hours again. And, um, so yeah, that's kind of how, what forced me to push through, I guess, um, during that time, but up until pregnancy or up until I had the, the kids, I, I worked throughout just because I wanted so badly to have that time with them. And I, I feel so fortunate, fortunate that I had a healthy pregnancy that allowed me to be able to, um, keep working. I was so paranoid. I was going to get put on bed rest or something that I would have to use my days off or the time I was allowing myself. I could have been off for a year, but it's just so hard to grant yourself that time. Um, but I was just so afraid I was going to have to take that time away from work before baby even got there. And so, um, I worked right up until the end, um, with both of them and, um, it's definitely a challenge, but, <laughs> and you sure look pretty, uh, pretty interesting, but when you work for yourself, you can at least wear whatever you want, not necessarily wear whatever you want, but I definitely wore some uh, yoga pants a few times. <laughs> I've been there too. <laughs> and there were a few songs that I would incorporate. We sit on the floor a lot, so it got pretty uncomfortable where I'd say, oh, we're going to lay down for this song. And I'd find myself laying down so I could stretch. And here I'm like this you know, very large pregnant <laughs> woman laying <laughs> on the floor, singing these songs and finding it hard to breathe. And but um, I'm just I'm glad that I pushed through um, because I feel like I I appreciated that time 
afterwards um, with the baby, but it would have been nice having like a week before if you can just to prepare yourself and get those final emails out and things that you're going to do. So you don't have to wait till baby surprises you and they're there and you're doing it from the hospital bed. (laughs) Right. Well, I'm really interested to hear how your roles sort of changed or evolved once you came back, especially after that second baby. I know that for me right now, um, I'm working about 40 hours and um, I'm kind of thinking, you know, I'm going to need to rearrange things a little bit after the baby's born and maybe reduce that clinical load. So can you tell us a little bit about how that looked for you once you returned? Yeah. Um, Part of my return, um, most of my clients continued with one of the subcontractors at the time are now the employees. And I did have a couple co- clients though that didn't just due to their needs or it wasn't a good time to transition them for just three months. So um, when I returned, I made sure that I had the priority of taking them back into my schedule. And um, I did absorb almost everybody back in. Um, I think for me, if I was trying to do the 40 hours with the clinical portion and the admin, um, I would sleep probably never. I would never sleep. Um, I think that my role has changed in that um, I'm not um, visibly present quite as much because I really tried to slice down my days out of the home to try to cut back on daycare costs. So we went from um, having daycare four days a week before. I would try to work from home or take Sayla with me if I could. Um, which was not very often. <laughs> um, the And then once Joven joined the family, we tried to do three days a week. So I would schedule all of my clients in three days. So they were three back-to-back days. And we have a clinic facility, and we also do um, in the community. So to get everybody in, I'd have two later nights where I'd be coming home like at 7.30, um, eight o'clock sometimes. And then one night I'd get home about six and then I'd, I'd work from home or I would tell myself, Oh, Thursday, Friday are my work from home days. And people would hear that. Oh, that's so nice. You get to be home with your babies. And honestly, it was, it was brutal. And it's, it, I, I, I hate saying that, but, um, because in your mind you set it up for, Oh, I'm going to be that mom that gets to do both and stay at home. And, and it can happen. You just have to have the expectation that, you can't expect to get anything done. If you do get it done, then great. But um, my my husband always says, oh, what are you, you going to do today? And I'm like, whatever I'm able to accomplish, I'm not going to really even set out to get anything done because if it happens, it happens. So my role really changed in that um, I really had to rely on the help that I had available. And I really opened up my eyes that I have people here that are wanting to work as much as possible. And I'm trying to do so much. And I feel like I'm almost failing, not failing, but we always have that feeling that we're, we're not doing what we should and that yes. we're, we're sliding down that slippery slope. And I say so many times I'm failing as a mom and as a business owner and, um, and as a wife. And I, I know I'm not, but it, it truly is that feeling. And so I try to combat that. I can't, I'm struggle with it every day, but I try to combat that with, um, really looking at what 
do I need to do as far as admin time and not feel guilty if um, a client of mine discontinues and I don't take someone in that place? So my role coming back, I didn't want to lose. I didn't want to let anybody go necessarily or transition somebody. Um, but I did, I have found that when I have somebody who runs out of funding or they transition out or move away, I'm almost relieved because I see it as an opportunity that I can then make those phone calls or I'm in the activators class right now <laughs> with Kat Yeah, and I'm terrible. I've only completed one timesheet and I, I'm, it's terrible and I want to do all of them, but I just, I'm like overwhelmed and swamped, but that's where I feel that when I drop off some of those clients due to whatever their needs um, are at the time, that I have those windows to really push forward in the admin seat. And I think that that's come from the demand of, you know, trying to scale back financially with childcare, but also um, just feeling like I needed to do what I felt like I could do well. And I knew I couldn't. I know I can't take on more people right now. And I have girls that are waiting to fill up their schedules with people. So I might as well just learn to delegate. And even if someone looks like an awesome client that I would love to work with to know that I'll have an opportunity to do that when the timing is right. And right now it's just, it's a time for me to find a new, to to finally get to the top of my peak and level off for a little bit. So I don't feel like I'm sliding down my avalanche. Um, and that I feel like is where my, my role has changed in um, not being that primary person with the most people on their caseload. Um, for example, we have a, an annual recital and it was really hard for me this year because we had 63 people sign up for this recital, um, between the three therapists at the time. And I only had like 12 people because not all my people could do it. And Sarah, one of our, who's our full time or who has the most hours, she had like 30 people, almost half of them. And it was really hard for me going into the recital to feel like, gosh, I'm the face of this business. I feel like people are going to expect that I'm up there more. And I shared that with a one of our parents who was being our MC, and she's like, absolutely not. If anything, I'm, I think people will be surprised that you're even working with clients. And so that really helped to open up my eyes and help me feel better about knowing that Yes, I love the clinical work, um, and I don't ever want to give that portion up, but I also need to make sure that I'm taking care of everybody, myself included, um, by delegating some of those clients to other people so that I can continue to grow the business and my family and not end up in a <laughs> uh, where I'm not in a safe place myself mentally. So. I think that that's probably how my role has changed the most. However, we did just add two more days of daycare. So they'll be there Monday to Friday, which is really hard for me right now because it's a financial, um, it's it's really hard to, to know that I'm going to be at home one of those days actually doing admin work without them there. And I feel really guilty, but I also feel like I'll be able to be that better mom when they come home and I can actually be present instead of just being there and being on my phone or on email and all that stuff. So I think that's probably the biggest way that my um, role had changed is that I've, I visibly and physically was not able to be present, which 
caused me and forced me to delegate because I just wasn't there to take people who needed a Friday session or a Saturday session. Yeah, I, I, you brought up so many good points in in that answer. Um, I want to just address them all because there's there's so many things that I want to say in response to that. Um, but first of all, I completely understand what you're saying with the guilt of having your kids in daycare even when you're at home, although you are working. And I'm in that same boat where yes. I had my son home with me until he was 18 months old, and um. You know, I was trying to work during his nap time and yeah. be a mom and be a business owner, and it didn't work. It was just no. I was I, – I felt like I was failing in everything, and mm -hmm. I wasn't ever giving my full attention to any of the tasks at hand. And yeah. <laughs> so when we decided to start daycare back in December, and he started going three days a week, and during the day, I'm – working from home and then I go see clients in the afternoons. But those are the most productive three days of my week because I am solely focused on working and getting those admin things done so that when he's home with me on Monday and Friday mornings before I leave for work, that is our time together. And it's so much more quality time. And I don't feel like I'm torn between my business and my child when he's home. Yeah. So it's – and it's definitely, yeah, you you think about the financial concerns of it, but honestly, as far as taking care of yourself and, you know, making sure that your kids are happy because they know when we're not giving them our full attention. And yeah. <laughs> so I feel like I know that he's happy because he's with his friends, he's with his wonderful teachers, he's learning, he's playing. We're all happy. Yeah. That yeah. balance is so hard. And I, I – will admit full-heartedly I still pull at least probably one all-nighter just trying to catch up on work um, at least probably every two weeks if not every week and I, I've just realized now that you know that's not getting you anywhere other than feeling more stressed because you're you're tired then the whole next couple days after that and then all you do is you get further ahead. And then the next day you realize that that didn't get you really any far. You still are going to have things to do, which is a good problem to have as a business owner. I think it'd be harder to know that there's nothing there for you to do. <laughs> that would make me more nervous, I think. And so um, I just, I feel like that balance is so hard and it, it wanes and waxes and wanes with every season and every kid. And, but, and I think it's hard too, to know people um, who get to, who are at home um, as stay-at-home moms, and there's that desire to do that. But then in my heart, I'm like, as much as I would love to do that, I know that I have a third child, and that is my business right now. And I don't want to leave that astray either. So Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel the same way. It's just finding the hours <laughs> in the day to make it all work. But you know what? Yes. I, I, I do the same thing where some, some nights I'll just – find myself up still at two o'clock working on my computer. Mm -hmm. And I did that earlier this week. And then last night at about 930, I said to my husband, I said, I need to go to bed. And yeah. even on my good nights, you know, I'm up till like 1130. And That's so good. I did. Right. I, I went upstairs and I, I got in bed at 930. And I woke up bright eyed and bushy tailed at 530 this morning, which was amazing because normally I just sleep until my son wakes up. And yeah. Um, I got so much work done this morning. The house was yeah. quiet and, 
you know, it got me thinking, well, maybe I should do that more often. Yeah. So. Iron ironically, when you had mentioned just now, like just finding the time and you feel like you need that pause button. Um, I feel like our daughter, our daughter's name is Selah, but it means um, pause, or it was in the Psalms as a, a cue to the musicians to pause and reflect. And I feel like without knowing it, her name has been so important for me. And I need to remind myself every day, I don't do a good job of it, but how important it is just to pause and reflect on your day and the moment that you're in, because with babies and pregnancy, even, you know, you're often wishing you can't wait to see them, but you don't want to, you're scared to get to that point. Or um, when they're there, you want to just pause on every single day. But it truly is, um, as a business owner, you do have to try so much harder to allow those opportunities and let yourself just pause and focus on yourself and the baby <laughs> and yes. your husband too and your other kids. But and to not pause and focus so much on the business because if you spend, if you're genuine in what you do and you spend time building it up, I do feel it will sustain you for that amount of time you need to just be with your family and, and enjoy that time. And so I really appreciate when you had said just that amount of time and to, to pause in those moments and cherish those times when the house is quiet so you can reflect on what you did get done too. Yes, yes. And to not be so hard on yourself when you don't get yeah. it all done because yes. you're definitely going to have those days too. And I have plenty yeah. of them. Oh, I I just love that, the meaning of your daughter's name. I think that's so beautiful and what a great Thanks. reminder. Yeah. Yeah. And I had never heard that name before. So I think it's so unique and just gorgeous. Thank you. Yeah. So that was a really, really good piece of advice. Do you have any other advice for fellow music therapists who – are either thinking about starting a family or are maybe pregnant right now or maybe have a second one on the way? Um, I think, I know we've talked a lot about business um, so far. And so this is aside from that. Um, I think just really um, cueing into the importance of the gift that we're all given of music and to use that to connect with your child. I know we all do it because we enjoy singing, but it's so easy to go home and to not want to sing anymore or you're just tired. Sometimes my daughter will, she'll be science, she'll be doing the actions for wheels on the bus. I'm like, and my initial uh, sometimes response and then I feel bad or my thought is always like, oh, I've been singing this all day. But I, I feel like those are, that is that gift that you can share with them just as you encourage other families to do, to really practice what you preach and use music to connect and to strengthen that bond and connection. And with that said, um, I had the opportunity to write songs for both of my babies. Um, I did that for Selah and, um, I really wanted to record it before I had her because I didn't know if, she, if it was going to be a boy or girl. And I just felt like if I knew that bit of information, I would write a different song or sing it differently if I knew I was singing to a girl or a boy. And, um, and in my internship, we talked a lot about um, just how we sing different to children or to babies. And I just really feel as a, as a mom who is, is pregnant at the time to really just capture that moment. And even if it's just recording yourself humming or singing something as while you're pregnant, I feel like that's such an awesome, uh, and unique, 
uh, piece to treasure because once you hold that baby in your arms, that vision of what is inside of you will always be different because you have a visual. And um, with the song that we wrote for Sela, um, I was actually afraid once we found out we were pregnant again because I thought, how do I write another song? Because I, I didn't, uh, I really liked the message that we put in in Sela's song and. Um, so trying to come up with another message of what do I want my, my other child to know and what message do we want him to walk away with and to really use your skills as a music therapist to just, uh, give yourself that gift of something that you would easily create for somebody else, but not take the time to do for yourself. And also to piggyback on that, um, I made a playlist, um, to use during labor and just to remember how powerful music is and how we respond to it without um, needing to try. And I didn't practice with mine. My vision was I was going to practice with my playlist, and I didn't at all. I actually was making it when I was having contractions. <laughs> and um, my body just knew what to do. And it just helps us to connect with those clients that we may work with in the future because you have that personal. Um, we know music works, but a lot of times we don't have that aha moment in a uh, a time of need so to say unless you've been through a rehab program or you know counseling that type of thing where you've used it we often don't use it as much as we should and I think that that's probably my biggest advice and that motherhood and pregnancy really helped bring to light for me I love all of that advice and I'm making mental notes of that for myself <laughs> right now being pregnant. And, and I think you're so right. Um, I know I did a lot of kind of songwriting and singing to my son before he was born. And it does change so much after he's born. And, and you're yeah. right. You do sing differently to your baby once he or she is in your arms as opposed to when he's inside of you. And mm -hmm. I feel like I haven't done that as much with this baby just because I'm so much busier. I've got a toddler running around. Yes. Um, so I really do want to make more time to do that. So thank you for that reminder. Yeah. Well, Amy, do you have any music therapy related projects or news that you'd like to share? One big piece of news um, that hopefully um, I'll have a, a picture on our Music Therapist Unite page at some point, but um, probably a year and a half ago, I did a, a little probe of if anyone out there has heard of a mobile music therapy studio. And I had a couple people get excited about it and really encouraged us to be um, innovative. And so we purchased a, a bus, um, a small passenger, like a 21 passenger bus at the time. This was two Novembers ago and um, actually last November. So November, 2013. Um, and we finally are going to be making uh, taking it out on the road. It's going to get its decal on the outside in a couple of weeks here. So um, our private practice is kind of centrally located in one of our bigger counties here. And um, our contracts have really expanded into more regional areas. So our hope is that we can take our mobile studio, um, which is just a gutted, the bus is gutted now. So there's carpet in there and um, we'll have some smaller instruments, anything that can withstand the Wisconsin weather <laughs> um, in the winter and summer. And we're going to be taking it out on the roads to try to offer more of a clinic experience within a regional setting. So, um, cause we know that home is not always the best place for therapy. So we're hoping that we can still offer uh, a unique experience that, um, 
is more clinical in areas that might be like an hour from our actual facility. So um, Catherine, our newest uh, therapist, is going to be really heading that up. Um, and I know that she's hoping that there isn't snow on the ground by the time she's driving that bus around. <laughs> I so, can imagine. Um, <laughs> That's our exciting news, but it's it's going to be called the Songbird Express is what we've what we've named it. That is so cool. <laughs> I cannot wait to to hear more about this as you get it going. That is such a neat idea. Hopefully it's not a picture of it on a tow truck or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> will you be will you be sharing and posting pictures and things on your Facebook page and on your Twitter? Yes, yes we will. Good, good. And we'll make sure to put some links in your show notes page um, so that people can go check that out because that is such a neat idea. Thanks. Our most recent recital, we wanted to really um, feed into the the songbird thought. And um, so we had the theme for our recital being um, every bird has a song to be heard, which I feel like really cap, um, captures music therapy in and of itself. So we're really trying to use that as um, something with our um, – Twitter feed. I'm new to Twitter and our newest employee is really helping us break through that that wall. So hopefully people see more of that as well. Every bird has a song to be heard on the Songbird Express. That is so fun. Oh, I love that. Very, very cool. And I've got one last question for you. Do you yeah. have any favorite products or books or resources related either to music therapy or motherhood that you just can't live without? For my first maternity leave, I laughed and laughed when I was doing my registry at the um, hands-free bra nursing uh, pump bra. Yes. <laughs> I laughed. I was like, who would ever get that? And I I just thought it was ridiculous. And then about two weeks into having my daughter and trying to uh, pump and nurse and all of that and answer emails, I realized I needed more hands. And I actually waited until I went back to work closer to when I went back to work to actually get one. Um, I ordered one online and it was just amazing. And I, I found with my son though, my second baby, I never really had enough time to actually get it out, strap it on and, and do the whole thing. And I, I found that I was doing more of a one hand, uh, thing while I was trying to keep everyone content with the other hand, but I, I didn't really even take the time to, to use it, but I would, strongly recommend I don't know the name of it but it's the hands-free bra and I actually found out you can make one yourself by just cutting an old sports bra yes, in the right area that's right so or even a, a regular bra I think would work so that is one of um one product that I would definitely not laugh at and consider and then the other is if you do have two under two um, we just got a new stroller um, right before Wisconsin winter hit um, and it is the city mini double wide and it has the bigger tires. It was about $500 and my husband could not believe I was willing to spend that much money on a stroller. <laughs> but, um, when you, if you've got two and they're both not able to walk on their own, you can not leave your house <laughs> usually to go on a walk unless you've got a nice double stroller. So whether that is whatever that might look like, but we really like the, it's the city mini um, GT, uh, double. I, I don't even know the, the first, the exact name, but I cannot wait till the weather warms up to use that because it, we can go off-roading, um, as well as, um, you know, just 
go for a walk because that is sometimes what we need the most. <laughs> Especially after this winter, right? Yes, very much. And yeah. a good carrier too. I, I did a lot more baby wearing towards uh, with my second one because I realized we could go a lot more places. So um, I really like having a carrier too. Yes, I absolutely agree. And I'm writing down that stroller because we are actually <clears throat> in the midst right now of choosing a double stroller. We love our single stroller, but you know, that's not going to cut it when the baby's here. And so we will definitely look into that one. Thank you for those recommendations. Yes. And Amy, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I felt like you had so much good information to share, not only as a business owner, but as a mom of two. And um, I'm happy that you got to share your story with our listeners. Thank you so much. This was such an honor. And I just want to wish you good luck. And uh, I know everything will will work out. So just enjoy well, the time you, you have. And your son is going to seem huge <laughs> to you when oh, you see my that goodness. Next baby. I know. I'm my brother just had a baby um a couple of weeks ago and looking at the pictures of their newborn, I can't yeah. even fathom having a child that small because I right now I still feel like Parker's small, but <laughs> compared to yeah. a brand new baby, no, he's he's gonna be a and giant. He'll be a great age to be a good helper with getting you things and um, so I think that that'll be a good age for you, even though it will be, it will have its challenges, but, um, yes. having him retrieve diapers and, and they love throwing them away too, or my oh, daughter. That's, that's so, a good thing. Yes. Use their help because they're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. I think I'll need, I'll take, take whatever help I can get at that point. Yes. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to send Amy a message, you can contact her via her website, www.lihmt.com. Would you like to be a guest on the show? Let me know. Get in touch and find the show notes for this episode at guitarsandgranolabars.com. And if you feel so inclined, please leave a review on iTunes. I'll talk to you again next week.